and welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt. You can find us on Twitter at Horizon RT. You can find us on our website at HorizonRoundtable.com. And you can find us and subscribe and be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. Um, and Matt, of course, we have uh, it feels like we've been uh, we've talked about a lot of things during the offseason, but we feel like we've neglected a few group, a few teams. So joining us this week, of course, is, is Carrick Jones to talk a little bit of uh, Detroit Mercy basketball. So thanks for joining us, Carrick, as always. Not a problem. Anytime. And we're going to talk a little Northern Kentucky, too. We got Kyle Craven on from the Norse Report. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So, um, but before we get into that, um, one of the things that has come up in the last couple weeks that is, uh, that may have some far-reaching effects for not just, you know, for all of us is the fact that the Horizon League announced that they are postponing, not necessarily canceling the fall season, but postponing the fall season until October 1st. So, and, and when I say postpone the season, I'm talking about Nobody can, you know, there are no scrimmages, no exhibitions, no nothing. I mean, what uh, this really does is it buys the league and all the teams a little bit of time. Yes. So if you're a Horizon, if you're a listener to the Horizon Roundtable, there's a reason doing this. Mask up, stay six feet away from each other, and just fucking pay attention. <laughs> We're so close to losing sports if people don't do this. You freaking yeah, asses. We just changed. We just changed our. I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but we just changed our profile picture on Norse Report to like a basketball player, like as a logo with a mask on. You'll have to check it out sometime. And by the way, and to the to everybody's credit, a lot of the, you know, you you see almost all of the schools kind of getting on board with this. I saw Cleveland State uh, post something up. Saw Greg Campy post up a picture with him and a with a mask on. So yeah, everybody's on board with this. And, and it doesn't have to be anything other than practical reasons. Look around the rest of the freaking world, people. They're doing, they're, 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 people are, comp- are, be, are playing competitive sports right now in every other part of the country without having to be in a bubble. Yep. We don't need to be those people. So get off Facebook and stop listening to your fucking Uncle Floyd. <laughs> I'm no, I'm serious. I'm getting tired of this shit. I mean, geez Louise, I mean, this is, you you can't, I want to equate this exactly, and I said this once already, to the fact that we are acting like the kids who don't want to eat their vegetables and look around the rest of the table and see everybody eating their desserts because they ate their vegetables, and we stomp our little feet and start crying and complaining about, oh, we uh, we want our desserts, and what happens? Somebody gives them their desserts, and what happens? Turns out it's laced in x last. Way to go, guys. <laughs> Wait the turn, man. Yeah. Hey, I'm telling you, man. That, but pff, am I wrong? No, and I mean, we're just starting to see, you know, locally, not only with the college sports, you know, college football is completely in flux and no one's sure yeah. what's about to happen. But, you know, every every state's dealing with high school football. You know, that's big for them and what how to handle this. And, you know, gr- granted, we're largely a uh, – a men's basketball podcast, but you know, within the league, you know, this is affecting everybody. And if, if something's not done and like I said, I think that October 1st really just kind of gave them and bought them some time 
that they needed for schools to figure out, you know, okay, we've gotten in the session, whatever that looks like for us right now. Now, how can we handle this? And the answer might be we can't or whatever, but it just bought, bought them a little bit of time. I, and they, I and personally think it's a little bit more sinister than that. Oh. I, I think it is all about we do not want to have a education crisis, and all these colleges need to get kids in, including myself, because I'm currently a Horizon League student, uh, enrolled in classes, going back to school, and then we can say on a, you know, the day before the deadline, October 1st, you know, well, we're going to move to the spring or we're going to cancel because now we're past the ad drop date. Everyone is enrolled. The, you know, the scholarship money, the federal money, it's all been paid out. I think that's the bigger thing is that they, it, it's a, there's a bigger ledge coming that's bigger than sports. And it's going to be people didn't go back to school this fall. And now universities are at a, a budget deficit. And so I'm glad you brought that up because this is already coming up um, in a number of schools, not necessarily in the Horizon League, although Wright State, you guys are way shaky at the moment. But I know at least uh, and every single school individually has their own plans with regards to reopening. I know Cleveland State, um, their official plan at this point in time is – to have at least half of at the beginning of the semester, uh, this semester, have at least half of their half of their courses being taught online. I mean, some of them you don't you don't have a choice but to to be have, be face to face. All the clinicals, labs, those types of things, you can't do that online. So you don't really have much of a choice in the matter. But kind of minimize it as much as humanly possible. Also, and this is important, that Cleveland State, I know for sure is mandating the wearing of masks. I know there's a bunch of people on campus who are going to say, you know, because, you know, not everybody on that campus pays attention. That's kind of a decade-long problem, but but that is kind of the mandate. And that was put in place maybe before, you know, the state of Ohio put their mask mandate in earlier this week. Um, but that is that is their plan moving forward i don't know if that is the same thing that's going to happen moving forward and it's weird because we talk about kind of the financial impact of this and and i don't know and we see that from an athletic standpoint we're going we we haven't really the only honestly the only school we've seen this from that's had a re, had that it's had a real impact on is right state now but of course right state um, if if you've been following Wright State at any point, you know, in any kind of way over the last five six years, they've been having kind of a financial issue that I don't think any of the other Horizon team, League teams have at the moment, um, and that includes the ones with football like Youngstown State. You're you're not having, but it's weird because you're not having the you don't see those conversations playing out in real time in any of the other Horizon League schools, which I think is kind of interesting. Unless and I'm Robert Morris something. now. Robert Morris is our other football team now. Robert Morris is our other football team, yeah. But again, um, <laughs> you're not hearing about the financial I impact, even with Robert Morris. I mean, you're to the point where um, earlier this week, Andy Toole uh, just got a contract extension. So apparently the, the, whatever financial impact is hitting most of these school oh, hitting – it is maybe, and maybe it's because the Horizon League, by and large, is a 
it is an exclusively non-football conference, whereas, say, for example, the MAC is just getting hammered right now. Yeah, and maybe the Buc- that's the the um, the hammer is going to drop if if this delay dips into the basketball season at all. I, I just I don't see a way that Horizon League hoops doesn't get affected. If you know, even with a delayed start, you're going to start seeing programs really have to make major cuts. Yeah. Well, see, here's the other thing too, and this is also a good question because you also that because I'm thinking, and I've been thinking about this as well. You have schools that are be going out to, are are scheduled to at the moment still, not just for these buy games, which we're not even sure are going to happen. But also some of these exempt tourneys, like for example, Cleveland State was scheduled to go to the Paradise Jam in the Virgin Islands. Are they? Is anybody even going to be able to go to the Virgin Islands? No, I thought they moved most <laughs> of those to like Florida already. I, mean, I don't um, know about specific tournaments, but I've seen par- a few that not, move. not the Paradise Jam yet. Okay. Not the Paradise Jam. Um, I don't really want to go to Florida right now. Yeah, there's that. I don't want to go to Florida in general. What are you right. talking? That was before COVID. What are you talking about? In the middle of July? <laughs> what the hell? Um, I, yeah, I just I I don't know. I think I think there's there's two bad trains of thought that are prevailing right now. The first one being with just sports in general that and at least what we're seeing in Michigan with high school sports is we're going to go back to normal and it's going to be okay, which doesn't make any sense. And then the one with college sports with which makes a little bit more sense but still no sense is we're going to go back to normal October 1st or we're going to go back to normal kind of and play, you know, fall in the spring. But that doesn't. Yeah. It's like, it's like the virus doesn't go away November 9th. Right. Exactly. It's like, it's like in the first school of thought, like you're, you know, you're putting deodorant on in the morning and you find a lump in your armpit and you're like, Oh, that's nothing. I'm not going to get that checked. And then the second school of thought, it's like, I found a lump in my armpit. I'm going to go get it checked, but it's all going to be okay by, by October 1st. The cancer will be gone or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's just, you can't, like you said, you can't predict this kind of thing. It's literally like people are just ignoring the problem. And because we're ignoring it, it's going to go away. No, it's going to get worse if you do that. No, if you don't take the precautions, no. You're, I mean, if you're going to act like nothing is wrong, yeah, absolutely it's going to get worse. And that's what we're seeing right now is people are act pretending that this one wasn't going to affect them like they're, you know, they're like they're freaking invincible or they listen to some, you know, listen to some ignoramus who I guarantee you is no smarter than you or I without a medical degree and just decide, all right, I'm just going to just live my life and throw caution to the wind. Right. And And let me just let me just throw this thought out there, too, Bob, by the way. Yeah, is. Horizon League fans have to be extra cautious about yeah. their optimism because because here's the thing. Power five basketball can survive on a on a shortened season with no fans and just you know nationally televised games or whatever. Horizon League basketball has to have fans, right? Like we have to have a normal season. I don't know, Kyle, well, do we? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. They, sorry. Well, I've been doing pretty well without any fans. May, okay, maybe not. Fred like Mercy hasn't had fans for years. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't know because Book Guy draws a lot of ratings for you guys. But um, no, 
I'm saying like I'm saying sorry. I I I guess I was saying that from an NKU lens. We don't we don't have the donors. We don't have the endowment. Like we don't have. We rely on season ticket holders. You know yeah. that's why we. I mean we get 1,400 season ticket holders a season. Like we got to have that. If that's so much lost revenue if that just goes away. So and then of course donations will just in general the the opportunities to donate will will be down if if uh if you know you don't have people out at the games doing all the pre-game stuff in the in the vip areas and you know stuff like that so in-person attendance matters a lot more for a lot of programs in the horizon league maybe not all of them but some of them um than, than i think we all think and, and at the mid-major level in general no pal i I, I absolutely I really agree. Think that, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I think that's, that's why I, and I, and that's probably, and I think that is why, you know, for us, uh, we got to hit this. We got, everybody's got to hit this home because, you know, there are preventative measures in place that have worked everywhere else in the world that has allowed the, that has allowed just about everywhere else in the world to, you know, get back to a point where they can, you know, where, Things like competitive sports, spectator sports can happen fairly normally. All right? New Zealand hasn't had a COVID case in 85 days. No. And they're playing. Yeah, that's right. They haven't. So, so. I mean, and again, I mean, I'm, I mean we, we're, we're not advocating for, oh, my God, we, we don't shut it on down. We're a freaking we're we're a mid-major podcast dedicated to basketball for crying out loud you think i want to you think i want to sit around here and talk about this for six months because you know some of you guys have your heads up your asses no i really don't i would rather talk about what we're going to talk about for the in the rest of this podcast roster moves all that good stuff that's what we want to talk about i don't want to talk about this any longer oh but you make the stuff yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, but I don't want to talk to Troy Mercy. Well, I don't know who any of them guys are. Carrick, tell us who he, who's on uh, Detroit Mercy's squad, man. I have no freaking clue anymore. I, well, I know Antoine's on there. We've got this guy named Antoine Davis. He uh, he shoots the ball a lot. Um, he's pretty good. Yeah. He's the coach's kid though, so that's kind of fun. And, yeah, and who are so, the? I mean, I mean, we, well, we got we also have uh, we also have um, oh god, who else? Who else is on the? Yeah. Yes, Carrick, please. Tell us who is on Detroit Mercy's team because I have lost count. Brad Calgary's still there, right? Yeah, Brad's still there. So Dwayne Rose Jr. is still there, right? We think. Well, you think? We think. Oh, yeah. boy. Uh, All right. There has been some talk that they're trying to get him to also become a walk-on um, because I don't know. Um, I they, So there's mass exodus. I'm not sure. If it was the coach cutting people like he said he was going to do, I don't know if it was we're just sick of Mike Davis, which I personally think it probably was. Um, but from last year, Marquise Moore's gone. Yes. Redonde LeGrand is gone. Bowen mm-hmm. Jewell is gone. Sam Hoffman's gone. Justin Miller graduated and had a kid. Uh, B.J. Maxwell is gone. Um uh, they moved Antoine and Brad and Jordan Gorman all back to walk-on status. Um, there's also Rumbling Rose and Brandon could be walk-ons uh, because they've added a bunch of people. So uh, we already know about... So wait a minute, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're back the truck up for a little bit. So Chris Brandon would be considered a walk-on is what it, you're selling me? It's possible. Okay, that, that doesn't mean, you need to explain that one to me because that doesn't make his, any sense. His, at this moment. his uncle coached the Rockets when they won the, the 
NBA championship. Oh. oh. Yeah. So he's got some money, I guess? Uh, I, guess. I don't know. But that's what the alumni who pay to be told information are saying. Wait. Okay. Okay. So when? Oh yeah, we gotta hear this. (laughs) When does it become an NCAA benefit? Because I I guess he's still an uncle, so I guess he could he could help out, right? And it's not a. Well, that's the same thing with Dwayne Rose Jr. Like if he was a walk on, you know, at at what that's that's a good question that I don't have an answer to. That's why I don't think either one of them are going to actually be walk ons. You know, with Cal Perry and Davis, you can't say anything about them not living on campus. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. No. Well, in uh, well, well, think about this for a second. If nobody said anything about Dwayne Rose Jr. last year about it, you know, why would it? What 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 possible sense would it make for then anybody just in the NCAA to say anything about it from here, if, from any other, at any point in time? Well, and what I've learned is schools don't like to talk about their walk-ons because it gives other schools an opportunity to easily steal them. If you know some mid-level player on a Div- Division One team is a walk-on that he's getting some minutes, and all of a sudden you're you know, a Div two, Div three school that has a scholarship, you can say, hey, come play for us. You'll get even more minutes. Be the star, and we'll pay for your school. You know, It's a recruiting thing. So schools have really stopped trying to talk about who's, who's on scholarship and who's not. I've learned that in the past couple months. And really? I was, I'm not sure if you mentioned this in your rundown just now because I was half listening. Sorry. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, no, but, but they don't have to sit out a year. So like, I'm not, sure if he, I'm not sure if he said that or not, but when they transfer as a walk-on, that, that's yeah. why Tyler Sharp, when he transferred from Louisville, he didn't have to sit out a year for us. Yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. And, um, we've had this, and I know we've had this conversation on the podcast specifically about Antoine Davis and his status. What's it, what, what is to say that if, you know, he decides he wants to go to a, a bigger program. What's stopping him other than his dad? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, had this, I mean, we've had this conversation before. I mean, and, and by the way, yeah, and it, you know, to be fair, not all schools are having the you know we're hiding the walk-ons conversation. I know when we had well when we had um when we had Dennis Gates on the podcast, he was he made no secret about who's the walk-ons and who's aren't but he also but at the same time he also has a way different philosophy about you know what he does with his walk-ons too so there's that and also so and i guess it so it depends on school uh, you know but you know school it's always on a school by school basis but carrick what what so how are we supposed to i guess my question would be who what do we how, what do we make of this 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 Detroit Mercy roster that well, I'm still struggling to figure out? You know what what you know what the makeup is officially. I, I guess I'll break it down by class. So we got four will be senior transfers coming in. Four Eight. of them. Currently four could could bloom up to six. Okay. Um, there's two that are like up in the air that we'll get to at the end of the rundown here. Then we got a seven foot uh center that plays like a three from niagara noah waterman that should be eligible with the waiver gotcha um and then two incoming freshmen kyle laguerre from cast tech joey lydell from erie mason madison i'm not sure which one it is i apologize uh it's a little itty bitty school on the border of ohio he can shoot the lights out but i i don't see either one of them playing too much this year um so 
four guys coming in. We got uh, Markel Frazier coming from Idaho. He's originally from uh, Ontario. He he didn't he wasn't bad for Idaho. Idaho is not a good basketball team though. Um, Idaho is not good at sports in general. Usually, especially yeah. I didn't even know they yeah. But anyway, go on. Um, he you know I don't know he, why that is. By the way, sorry anybody from Idaho. <laughs> I have no clue. Maybe it's it's just the terrain. People don't want to go there. Um, Frazier is not bad from his film. He can he might be that you know other ball handler they're looking for. He's bigger, 6'3", 6'4", 200 pounds. Um, ironically, you know, for a Mike Davis team, not much of an outside shot at all. Um, that's the, the two things about a few of these guys that's really weird. They're either very good three-point shooters or poor three-point shooters. Um, he can rebound as a guard. He averaged four rebounds a game for Idaho last year. But, you know, nothing crazy. You know, I'm, I'm looking through his stats right now. His high in points for the year was 22 against Montana State. Um, but he didn't, he didn't play anybody. So he's had, you know, some okay years. And then next guy they got, Matt Johnson, he's a guard. Played at St. Bonaventure last year. Uh, he played in 22 games. Okay. That, that, that's, that's his highlight. He played in 22 games. Uh, nine points against Rutgers. Um, at his JUCO though, he averaged 14.3 a game and four rebounds. I don't know if he just didn't fit at St. Bonaventure. I, I'm, I don't want to say this guy's not a D1 basketball player because he, he has the size. He's 6'4". From his film, he can shoot. He can rebound. You know, so I, maybe he was in a bad fit. And I know he was injured a little bit last year. So they got him coming in. That could be, you know, a guy off the bench. Maybe like a Dwayne Rose Jr. that can score 10 points a game, but you know, is spotty. Um, I really like Waterman, the, the transfer from Niagara, a lot. I, I think he is not maybe as polished as he needs to be, and he's someone who played guard and then before his senior year grew eight inches. Um, but I, I really think he could, he could be a problem in the Horizon League. He shoots the three very well. He can handle the ball. Um, he got hurt at Niagara last year, but before he got hurt, he was playing really well. Um, averaging, you know, eight rebounds a game, getting around eight points. Um, so I think he could be an X factor for them. The other two they got coming in, uh, they got Bull Cool, and I'm probably saying his name wrong. He's um, from Australia via Cal Baptist. Um, his first two years at Cal Baptist played a good amount, um, was, was a key player for them. And then last year he sat out the first semester. So his stats from last year aren't great. I'm pretty sure Cal Baptist was not D1 both of those years, if I understand No, they, they, yeah, I believe Cal Baptist just jumped on the D1. I think that they may actually still be provisional for all I, I if I, for all I know. Um, but there, yeah, they, they've been playing a D1 schedule in the WAC. Okay. So I don't know, but I don't know for sure if they are officially officially d1 just yet well i mean but i think they're pretty he, close he did well there the the you know the previous two years before last year and didn't do bad off the bench last year um he's a he's a rebound and three-point guy i mean he's he's shot over 35 percent from a three his college career okay uh, so he's six seven you know that's part of what they need right 
is is someone to fill the void down there so Chris Brandon isn't in foul trouble all the time. So, um, well, yeah, and that's one of the things that you, that's one of the things Detroit Mercy needs is size because obviously they had Justin Miller last year and they had you know Willie and Ciani and they had you know. Um, who else? I don't even know who else they had that was even that tall. So they, they uh, did. You, you just I'm named sure. them, and I think the problem is you look at this guy, uh, Cool, and you look at Waterman. Okay, maybe they can both play the four. They're not like a traditional center. I don't care how tall Waterman is if his you know skill set is handling the basketball and shooting threes. Yeah, that's not a traditional center. So maybe someone like Howard Love is going to eat those guys alive. Well, yeah. Except not that, just not oh, yeah not just the big yeah, name not grad, just, grad transfer yeah uh, not Trey just them either from maybe, Seton Hall okay yes that guy six eleven plays like a three or a four he was really good his first year at Syracuse and has been off the map since then um, it, you know it's promising when a Horizon League team gets a guy who's got highlights against Duke. But he hasn't done anything his whole college career. Like, his best game at Syracuse, he had 22 points against Boston. Uh, You know, 18 points against Virginia Tech, 18 points against Wake Forest, 18 points, 12 rebounds against Georgia Tech. Like, you know, he averaged 15 points in the postseason for Cuse when he was there. Um, His first year at Seton Hall, he only averaged 4.6 points and 2.3 rebounds off the bench. You know, he last year he played in one game. So, I mean, I struggle to believe that Mike Davis is going to get the most out of this kid when others haven't. You know, like I don't, I don't see Mike Davis as the big motivator. Maybe he'll prove us wrong. Like, there's no doubt Thompson's got talent, but no one's been able to put it together yet. And that's really interesting. We're saying that about Mike Davis. I mean. I would think of all the people. I I would have historically I would have thought of all the all the coaches that might be able to get the most out of this guy. Mike Davis would be, but I guess you know, times change. I guess. I, I think last year has put a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Um, I I think I the turning point for me as an alumni and someone who's covered the team for going on nine years now. After the open game, when he sent Mike Jr. up for the press conference, and he couldn't even give us an answer to what was going on, that for me is like this guy just doesn't—he doesn't care. And I don't know—I don't think he doesn't care about the kids. I don't think he doesn't care about winning. But it's just I'm going to be angry and do what I want. And I find that very interesting that that this is the dynamic that. That has, uh, I, so and I know this is this is kind of a, and I, I don't know from a fan standpoint. I know that there is a kind of, I know that there is a, a very vocal group of fans who are not happy about this at all. Um, which leads me to the the other side of the coin is you know, are is what kind of support does he have at this point in time besides the fact that you know. He still has arguably one of the best players in the league, even though, you know, let's face it, it's Antoine, it's his son. You know, the, the answer is I don't know. Um, I think there are there is a a vocal small majority of of fans that give a lot of money that I have bought into what he's doing. Um, at the same time, I think a lot of the traditional older folks are turned off by it. 
Um, and then there is the subsection of people that it doesn't matter who the coach is, who's on the team. If they win or if they lose, they may not come to every game, but they're going to send their check in the mail. Um, and I don't think those people are, are helpful for the university or for the basketball program or athletics. Um, but you have, but the, the, but the, you have, you have, you have alumni who do that all the time. It's, you know, it, you know, it's not, it's not unique to Detroit Mercy. You have, and it's not a bad thing. I don't think if you have somebody who's a regular contributor, win, lose, or draw. God love them. They're not all that many people, but no, still, they do. No, exist. but when they want to have an opinion, I, that's where the problem is. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like anybody's got a, an opinion. Like oh, you're going to back the school no matter what. Okay, like I, I don't think it, you know. I think if this year, if a season happens and they win five games, yeah, he should probably go. But you know, this year without a postseason ban, he's amassed a team. What that team can do, we'll see. I think it's it's about as exciting as you're going to get for this level of basketball. Bringing in four grad transfers, I think that's that's as exciting as it's going to get. Uh, well, you know, Cal well, can play a little bit. Antoine's very good. Chris uh, Brand very good. Yeah, but now he y'all beat. See if they can put the team together. Y'all beat us last year, and I think y'all almost beat Wright State too. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's really been weird because you get really good games out of these Mike Davis teams, and then you have yeah. games where I forget what time the game started, I'm 10 minutes late, and we're, it's not even watchable anymore. You know, you're down 20 points, and I don't know if it's it's compounding years and years of this for me, but I'm at a certain point where if we're down 20, i got to shut it off. I can't even look for the little things. I mean, even the game where they beat SIU Edwardsville last year, uh, that may be the worst basketball I've ever watched in my life. Um, huh. So something, something has to change. And I'm, I'm still holding on to memories from my freshman and sophomore year when, you know, they had five legitimate players on the floor and two good guys on the bench. You know, they had high major transfers that worked out at the mid-major level. Um, and I, I'm hoping that's what happens with this team. And so the other two guys that are up in the air, because nobody uh-huh. knows how many scholarships are available. Um, one is EJ Dasher. He's from Mississippi State. Uh-huh. His stats for three years are are minimal, you know, like two rebounds, two points. He's a large body that could, you know, take up space. And then the other guy that was leaked out, he was coming to Detroit this week, and then 24-7 and uh, Stadium had to take it back was Justin Thomas, uh, 5'11 point guard from Moorhead State. Uh, first oh, yeah. year at Northern Illinois. He started every game for his team. Uh, the last, Well, all but three games the last three years that he's played. So if, if you can get another ball handler in to move Antoine off the ball, I think that's great. But at the same time, I don't think Antoine's going to get the chances they think he is playing off the ball. Huh. All right. Well. I mean, what team is going to just let him sit in the corner and wait to be given the ball? Oh, well, I think we proven last year the answer is nobody. <laughs> so, like, he almost has to do it himself. Yeah, well, I mean, that, you can run so, ball for him all day long. So when you look at the, you look at what Detroit, now, obviously, 
when we look at Detroit Mercy against the rest of the which, against the rest of the league, which now includes the addition of Robert Morris, which includes the addition of Fort Wayne, we didn't have I, I didn't have a a rosy outlook for them for next season. Um, with the addition of these individuals, is that any better? <laughs> I mean, point? I think with who we know is coming back in the league, I it, with who they've added, it wouldn't shock me if they're in the top four. Because I don't think Fort Wayne's going to be good. I think okay. Robert Morris will be good. I think, you know, Wright State will be good. We, we have no clue what NKU is going to be with, with who they've lost. Green Bay's not going to be good. IUPUI is not going to be good. Oakland's going to be about the same. You know, I think Youngstown State will be about the same. Cleveland State will be better. I think it's kind of wide open. Again, except for Wright State's just significantly better than everyone else. Eh, I I don't know about that, but um, but obviously when you when you have a when you have a player of the caliber of Loud Love, you know that does stack the deck in their favor. I'm glad you brought up Northern Kentucky because they Northern Kentucky. I know we haven't talked a lot about them, but Kyle, this is why we have you on today because I am absolutely uh, honestly. What are we looking at with 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 Northern Kentucky, it seems like forever ago where Jalen Tate transferred and Silas Adeki transferred, it seems like that was last year that happened. Yeah, so <laughs> That's let's... a long we, ago. Yeah, we can take it even a little bit further back, but I do want to address one just very quick comment Carrick, Carrick mentioned. Carrick, you know, season ticket holder for the team. I've, I've been a fan for as long as I can remember. Um, I, I, I don't know what's going on either. To be honest, like I don't know what this team's going to be exactly, but I will just remind you and everyone that's listening um, that nobody really knew last year either. With you know losing Darren Horn and Drew McDonald and Chris Vote, and uh, or I'm sorry, losing John Brandon and Drew McDonald and Chris Vote, and then that's NBA superstar Chris Vote, right? This that's morning. right. Yeah, exactly. F- future first round draft pick Chris Vote. Um, Next year, this year he's going back to Cincinnati. <laughs> Yes, um, at, the, at NKU Valhalla for that for that prediction. Um, uh, yeah, no one really knew what we were going to be, and like to be honest, we started off one and two in the conference. Like we took it took a while for us to hit, a, hit our stride. We lost by forty at home to UIC. We lost by thirty at, uh, uh, on the road to Wright State, thirty two, I think. So like at our worst, we were trash, but at our best, we were Horizon League champs in the in the conference tournament. So. Um, and that's kind of what my prediction was. I, I said, I, I thought we would finish in the, about top four. I didn't want to make any promises on exactly where, but I said for sure top four, I couldn't see it any worse than that. And I honestly thought with the way that like the style of play that we had and the returning players, the seniors and stuff that we had, we would get hot in the horizon league tournament and win the thing. Um, so I just want to make that reminder. There's a lot of question marks last year too. Um, and they were kind of like proven to be not as big, as big of a deal as everyone maybe thought. Uh, and then uh, there's a lot of question marks coming into this season too. Um, sure. But I trust our I trust our staff. I trust some of the guys we have coming back. Um, and now I'm going to tell you all just a little bit about it. So, um, yeah. So we lost a ton of players. We lost three players to graduate to graduation. Um, Tyler Sharp, Dantez Walton, and Carl Harris. There was some question marks, like more like tossing pennies into a wishing well on Tyler Sharp if we were going to get one more year out of him or not. Um, there was that potential that uh, Matt will have a recollection of this, but 
when um, you know Rashad was getting screwed by uh, the NCAA, they did the whole like threat in a lawsuit thing, and it kind of worked out in his favor. Um, there was some thought maybe that that might be a route that we were willing to take with with Tyler, but I I think COVID kind of just ruined every option. Um, so I, I that's like not going to happen. Um, so we can go ahead and put the pin in that one. Um, Jalen Tate transferred to Arkansas. There was a lot of questions on where he, where he was going to go. A lot of people were thinking um, Ohio State or uh, Cincinnati was a really popular one, but it ended up being Arkansas, uh, who we did play last year, by the way. Um, Silas transferred to ETSU. Um, that's a big loss for us, not statistically or really even I, – I hate to say it, but even basketball skill-wise, I love Silas. He's a great guy. He's great with the fans. But we're not really missing much at all, except for the two times a year we play Wright State. Um, this so is the I, one. I have to bring this up because this is this is interesting because he because Silas Adeki transferred to ETSU, and then like literally two weeks later, ETSU's coach goes somewhere else. Yeah, like so outstanding timing. And and he's there to stay too. So yeah. it must have been it must have been um, like Silas's. So it must have been uh, really good rapport with assistant coaches and stuff oh, yeah. like that as well, or something. I'm there, there had to be something more than just the coaching staff that got him to go there. Um, probably probably an opportunity type of thing. I'm not really sure, but uh, because he's already moved down there and all that good stuff. So yeah. Um, and then just two more quick. Uh, barely, I, I, you know, not to be rude, but barely notable transfers. I just want to mention because um, I did like these guys uh, as as people. Um, Trey Cobbs transferred. He was Jeez. sort of like a third string reserve point guard that really never played. Um, he's going to go play D two basketball at Kentucky Wesleyan. Um, that's which I, now that, that's, I'm glad you brought him. That was always a very interesting one for me because Trey Cobbs was at, uh, and this was originally. And I don't know what happened here, but I know Trey Cobbs was always in the conversation to go to Cleveland State. Never happened. Ended up at Northern Kentucky, and now he is not even doing that anymore. So that that was always a weird, interesting. That was always a weird dynamic going on with him. For yeah, that. I could write a whole article about Trey's story arc. Basically, he. I mean, just to be very, very quick, he he came in the same class with Dantes Walton and, and Jalen yeah. Tate, um, and he's from Lima, Ohio, uh, with Dantes Walton. So went to the same high school, played for the same team, all that stuff, and they kind of just came came together. And um, they were Brandon recruits, but they, I would presume, they were Brandon's first recruiting class. So my guess is they were probably courted a little bit by the Beasled team by the Beasled team as well beforehand. Um, and the reason I think that there might be that connection is because Dave Beasled is actually an assistant coach now at Kentucky Wesleyan. He was NKU's coach ah. before John Brandon. So um, and yeah, to your point, he had the ability. I you know, I, I had a family member um, that uh, of Trey that was reaching out to me, kind of giving me some updates on what was going on. He was getting phone calls from uh, he actually got a call from John Brandon at UC uh, and just, you know, what are you thinking, man? Like, I, you know, obviously it probably wasn't going to be like come start for us or anything like that, but it was more, he had a choice to make. He can go to Kentucky sure. Wesleyan and actually play basketball, or he can go to a, you know, bigger, better school, be maybe a bench rider, but have a better experience that he would ever have had at NKU. 
um, in terms of like seeing different parts of the country and going off and maybe making yeah. a run in the tournament, stuff like that. So he chose the latter. Uh, you know, he had never really gotten a chance to play at NKU, and now he's going to go play D2 basketball at uh, Kentucky Wesleyan. So good for him. Yeah, that's, I always thought, yeah, because I, I know just based on what I knew about Trey Cobbs, I always thought he was. I always thought from a from a talent standpoint, I thought he was way better than with us never seeing him. <laughs> yeah. So the thing about Trey that's really interesting is he never had like that quick first step per se. Per se. He could never really beat anybody off the dribble that I noticed. And a lot of that might be due to like he just battled injuries his whole career. Um, that could be it. And he wasn't – it's funny because he wasn't really a shooter in the sense that like uh-huh. he would catch the ball 10 feet open and not shoot the ball. But I watched some of the highlights that were put together from like some of the summer games and summer practices and stuff uh-huh. where, he's, where he's out there spraying threes left and right. So my thing, it was it was more of a role thing when he was in the game. He was maybe told not to shoot. And one thing about Trey that I think is going to serve him really well at the D2 level is uh-huh. he pound for pound. He's probably one of the strongest guards I've ever seen at this level before. Like he's he's so he's like he's just really like top heavy. Um He's really good at like kind of like Paul Pierce style, like drawing contact, not really mm-hmm. being shaken off his route and still making the shot and, and, and getting to go to the line and, and get that extra shot. Uh, so I think it's going to serve him well in D2. And then sure. the, 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 the lack of a quick first step probably won't be his uh, won't be a problem for him at D2 because, um, you know, obviously his speed will be a lot greater at that level, I think. So um, and then one other quick note, not to spend all this time on these guys, but. Uh, Bryant Maccabee also transferred um, to Bethel College, which is NAIA, um, uh-huh. and his brother actually plays there. So um, I just wanted to get that out there because that'll be really cool. They're a pretty pretty good program at that level, um, and his dad was telling me that he he may be doing this. Um, I, I haven't talked to him since he transferred, but when I when I was talking to his dad, he told me that he he may he may choose to do this. Uh, this particular college because he wants a chance to compete for a national championship with his brother. So I think that's pretty cool. I just wanted to kind of mention those notes. Not that they're like yeah. groundbreaking or anything. I just think it's no. kind and of. And I know, and Maccabee Mar- did have some kind of flashes last season too. So uh, I, I thought I thought for sure he'd, you know, we'd see a lot more of him this year. But obviously, there there may be a lot more going on besides just the uh, just the you know just the you know the playing time in northern kentucky part there there's there seems to be kind of a family connection there too to go along with True. that and, and he just he wasn't a horn guy you know he wasn't darren's recruit and he mm. just he was never really going to fit in um to this system uh one thing that he had to do is he was going to have to be the guy who comes in and shoots 45 percent from three and he could never shoot over 30 and i don't know if it was a pressure thing. I mean, I went through the same thing in high school when my role was the three point shooter. And if I missed my first shot, I was out of the game and I did not come back in. And so you end up, it ends up just getting in your head and fucking with you so, so much to the point that you just can't shake that like pressure. And so part of me wonders, he never, he never told me this because he wouldn't, but part of me wonders if maybe just that, that pressure of like, if I'm not making shots, I'm not playing. So it just makes every shot you shoot feel like game seven of the NBA finals. Um, oh. And so part of me wonders if that was a problem because the kid can shoot. He absolutely can. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and to, to, not, to not shoot ever a season over 30% at NKU is just un, uncharacteristic. So, um, But then I'll just go through the returning players real quick. And I have a quick uh, couple notes on each of these guys. And I, th- yeah. I want to spend most of my time talking about the new guys we have. Sure. Uh, so the only returning starter that we have is Trey – or sorry – 
the only returning guy who started over 75% of the games last year uh, is Trayvon Faulkner. He started 32 of 32. He averaged 12 points a game, uh, averaged a couple of steals a game. His turnovers were really high. Like his assist to turnover ratio was actually more turnovers than assists. But in the system that we played, he wasn't a ball in my hand. You know, he wasn't really going to get a lot of assists um, in the, you know, the way we used him last year, he was more of a, um, when he was scoring, it was because the, the set was designed for him. And every other time he was a part of the offense, it was more just as a, as a, as a moving piece of the offense. He wasn't really a, a ball, you know, facilitate through me kind of guy last year. Sure. Um, so, uh, I'm excited for him. I think I ran a poll on him, uh, yesterday from the Norse report account, um, on what his upside was. Uh, just to kind of get a feel for our fan base and some of the other people around the Horizon League that follow us. Um, and a lot of people came in and said that they think he's going uh, he's going to contend for first-team Horizon League next year. Now, my vote on that poll was second-team Horizon. I, I think that he's going to have a really good shot uh, with the volume that he's going to see um, to really work his way in there. And we saw tremendous improvement from him. Last year, uh, really built out parts of his game that I didn't know were there his freshman year. Um, He was a 3,000-point scorer in high school, so he's definitely got it in him. Uh, So I would look for him to really kind of have a breakout season next year because he's going to have to. Um, Another player to have a breakout season is Adrian Nelson. Uh, Averaged 17.6 minutes per game, but really kind of increased his minutes as the season went on. Um, He averaged 4.6 points per game and 6.3 rebounds per game, which doesn't sound like a lot, but 6.3 rebounds per game in less than half of the game played is, like, incredible. Like, that's on – he was on pace basically for, like, 15 rebounds per game sure. average if he, if he played 50 minutes or uh, 40 minutes a game. So that's pretty cool. Um, he, he did start three games last year. One thing I will note, and I've kind of talked about this with some of my sources closer to the team, is, like, I got to as – as someone who's trying to cover this team objectively – I gotta see some more, so, something more out of out of Adrian post defense, and specifically in one instance, he he could handle himself in any game, but Loud and Love just pushed him. And I know I get it, I get that Loud and Love's going to do that to everybody he plays this year. I get it, but Adrian's not a you know he's not a he's not a green bean. Like he's he's a he's a he's got a lot of strength that he should not be getting dominated every possession by Loud and Love. It, there's some possessions he can win. And so I, it's just for me, it felt more like a, you know, sitting sitting courtside at that home game against Wright State, watching him try to guard Loud and Love. It honestly felt like uh, he knew before the play started, like I can't beat this guy, and that's not that's not the Adrian Nelson I want to see next year, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, and so uh, Bryson Langdon is another returning player for us. He started at point guard for 22 of our 30 mm-hmm. of his, of his 31 games played last year. Um, actually probably the most surprising player that Darren Horn brought in, um, himself last year. We, we had Bryson, Adam Alita and, uh, John Hard came in. And then there was one more, or Carl Harris as well, uh, who, who graduated, but Bryson Langdon of all those guys was really the one that stuck. And I want to point this out. Um, he wasn't really ranked super high in overall assists in the Horizon League, but he was number one in assist-to-turnover ratio in the Horizon League last year. So that's really good. That's a really good sign from your sophomore JUCO point guard. Um, the fact that we get him next year as a junior, um, I'm really, really excited to see what he can do. And 
he had that one play. I think it was against Detroit Mercy. I can't remember where he totally put that that guy on skates. Um, he dropped him with a he dropped him to the ground with a uh, crossover and just buried the shot at the at the elbow. And that was like his best play of the season. It's awesome. So um, I'm really excited for him next year. Uh, another guy I'm kind of excited for is Paul Joko. He's a six three guard. Uh, played really really well down the stretch. Um, he he just he was so up and down all season and has really struggled to find a consistent role in the team. But Darren Horn trusted him in the Horizon League tournament to step up, and he absolutely uh-huh. did. He's six three. He's long. He's the most athletic player on the team uh, for his size. Um, he has a crazy ugly 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 shot, but he was six for fourteen from three last year. So I know that's not a lot. To, that's not enough to say he's a good shooter or not. But he, I mean, it is 42%. So when he shoots them, he makes them, supposedly. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't really know what to make of him long term, but he's a junior next year. He's, like I said, super athletic. He's definitely, definitely good enough in this league to be a backup guard that can play the two or three. Uh, or I'm sorry, sure. can, play the, can play the one or the two off the bench. And the fact that he's 6'4 and the way that we play defense with that matchup zone. He, he can play either of the two wing spots, I think, in that zone if we had to have him down there. So um, I'm excited for him. Uh, Adam Alita, this is one that I don't have anything positive to say, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I, I know. I hate to say it. I I, I want to like the guy. I think that's the most positive thing I can say. He shot I want to like the guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he, shot, he, shot, he shot 41% from three in JUCO. Uh, and then he came here and just like, I, I don't know what it was, man. And it wasn't the Maccabee syndrome where like, if, if Maccabee was to miss one or two, he's out of the game for the rest of the game, never going to come back in. Adam Alita was getting like encouraged to shoot. Like he would catch the ball and they would yell, shoot Adam, shoot like from the bench. And the kid just couldn't connect. He could never shake it. I don't know what it was. Okay, like, so it wasn't just me not see, seeing that every time he shot the ball, he just did get the ball in the bucket. It doesn't make it any sense. It wasn't just me that that happened. That I okay. No, doesn't make any sense. He's got great. He's got great form. He's got a quick release. There's no reason like defense shouldn't affect it. Uh, you know, I it's not like Drew McDonald's release where it starts at the crotch and goes up to the head to where Javen Cumberland can almost block the shot. Uh, at, you know, Adam Alita's too uh, soon. Shoot. Too soon. Really? It's been a while. Come on. All right, fine. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam Alita, man, he, t- he catches he catches that ball at the letters and releases it from the chin. Like it's it's up and out like immediately. So I don't, I you know, I think it was the yips. I don't know. It's like it's like Charles Barkley's golf swing. Like it's just in his head. You know, I I, I really don't know. So. And then finally, the last returning player we have is David Wassler. Um, he's just a walk-on. Uh, I wanted to mention his name because he's hilarious. It's just fun. Uh, he's, he's a fun guy. The fans love him. Uh, we, we start the David Wassler chant from, the, from, our set, from our season ticket holder section. Anytime we're up by 15 with like four minutes left, the David Wassler chant starts. Probably too soon, but we do it anyway. So You got to have uh, your human victory cigars. That's okay. Exactly. Hey, and the, and the coach is with that. Yeah, the, the coaches, the players, they all freaking love it. So, um, so those are all the those are the returning players, guys. It's not a lot. It's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six guys returning. So we're looking at legitimately a rebuilding year. Then, I mean, I, if I'm looking at it from, you know, 
I mean, we're. I mean, I know there's a. I know there's quite a few prognosticators who somehow think that Northern Kentucky is gonna like set the world on fire. But I mean, if we're being honest, this might be a struggle for you guys this year. I think. I think it's gonna be a. Um, it's gonna be. It's gonna be last year on steroids. At our at our best, we're still gonna be pretty good. And at our worst, like we're gonna look really bad. I think. I, I do think we have. We're gonna have a couple of games in us. There will be no gonna, in between for you. <laughs> It, that's, oh. it, I hate to say it because also you gotta, you gotta remember guys, this is the way that Darren Horn, the Darren Horn system is going to play out until we get, you know, until we start building up that size. Yeah. Um, you know, so we start getting some of these seven footers uh, really up to speed um, in the way that a Darren Horn offense really can be. It's going to have to be a lot of, you know, Chuck and, and go, it's going to have to be a lot of like, I mean, we shot the most, I think we shot the 20th most threes in the country last year. And yet you our shot quite a few, yeah. And our three point percentage was like in the bottom third of the country. So like we relied on like I think we were if we shot like twenty seven percent from three, we I think we and like I, what was it? Uh, and I think it was in like fifteen of our twenty three wins, we shot over twenty seven percent from three. So like that's all we had to do to have a pretty good game was shoot twenty seven percent from three, which like I could give. Dudek a ball right now, and he go out and hit that. So that uh, careful, I'm careful. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just giving. I'm just giving you a hard time, but um, but yeah. So to it, I'm glad it you really say might, me. You'd probably be actually right. <laughs> if I said Bob, all right, that, then I'll say me. that. Yeah, but but I will say that you know harsh but fair. <laughs> we so we have only five returning players. One of them being a walk on. So obviously yeah. we have a lot of new guys coming in, um, but I will say on the front end before I before I start going down this list, we don't have a full scholarship team. Like you know, NCAA teams have thirteen scholarships. We only have ten given out, and we have three walk ons. So oh. my my thought is that we might just for the year, and I don't. This is not confirmed. This is total speculation. But my thought is that we might see a walk on, probably Wassler get a scholarship uh, just to kind of like, you know, as one of those like, hey, buddy, you got the scholarship. Like, you know, one of those like throw him a bone kind of things to go viral on social media or whatever. Um, I know it sounds goofy, but like really it's a, it's a team morale type of thing. We really might see someone like that get one because they're not going to do anything else with it. Like what else are they going to do with it other than save money, I guess. So um, if they end up deciding to spend one, they might do it on a guy like Wassler who has been a walk on for two years has gotten into a lot of games, has turned into an absolute fan favorite. So, but anyway, um, as far as the newbies go, this guy is actually technically a returning player, but I listed him as a newbie because he is going to be new to everybody but Norse fans. Uh, it's John Harg. He was a freshman last year, but he was out the entire season with a torn ACL um, that he had to get reconstructed in the summer. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there was a lot of speculation about him last year because – he actually was cleared for basketball activities. He would actually dress and warm up pregame, like in the warm-up lines and everything. But then, like I guess, when the clock starts running or whatever, like whatever the point is, where you like ineligible players have to get off, he he would leave and not dress for the game. So, and then I think towards the end of the season, he actually did start dressing, but still was like a freshman, like walk-on red shirt, whatever you call it. But like I think it was more symbolic type of thing. Because he's still a, he's still going to be a freshman next year. Um, he's six eight. 
he can shoot. He sh- he went to prep school out of high school, so he graduated high school and went to prep school for a year. Shot forty one percent from three at prep school, so he he's a he's a he's a really versatile offensive player. Um, okay. I, watching his tape, uh, he you know what he looks like to me is uh, he looks like a he looks like a three inch taller Dantes Walton. Like he moves a lot like him. Um, he's got a lot of the same like uh, kind of feel to his to his offensive game. Uh, the one thing I'll say is like you don't really know how that's going to translate uh, coming into D one. So like I want to lay that caveat out there. Like he's never played a D one game before. It's also been two years since he's played a basketball game sanctioned. So I mean I have no. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be a freshman. Dantes Walton, you know, work his way into the NBA. I'm not saying all that, uh, but I am saying that he looks a lot like him on tape. And uh, also the cool thing about him is he's six eight. And Dantes Walton played a lot of center last year for us. Um, end up end up having to guard uh, Loudon Love quite a bit. And uh, John Hart's probably going to get a lot of the same responsibilities, but he's got three more inches on Dantes. So that's that's exciting for us, um, I think. I, I think John Hart's going to be a sort of a surprising player for people next year. Um, another player to look out for is JUCO transfer Darius Harding. Um, he comes in averaging 19 points a game, six rebounds a game, six rebounds a game as a guard, by the way, he's six, four, um, and one, uh, 1.4 assists per game. So he's kind of like one of those Trayvon Faulkner's. Like, I'm not really sure if it was more of a offensive style or if it's just the way he plays basketball, he's more of a scorer. Uh, I couldn't really get that feel from a highlight tape, you know? Um, cause you know, how highlight tapes are, they're mostly me scoring the ball, uh, <laughs> Uh, he shot 46% from the field last year, 39% from three. Those are major upgrades from the previous year where he shot 42% from the field and 35% from three. So you're up, he's up 4% in both categories. So that's, that's really encouraging. Uh, he also scored 25 points on seven different occasions, 25 plus points on seven different occasions. And I think the coolest part about him is aside from his just athleticism and all that, he was the 81st ranked player in the JUCO top 100, so I like that a lot. Yes, yeah, I know that. I know that you you had uh, you um, at least on the North Report account mentioned Darius Harding multiple times on that, which you know I know that was kind of the he was kind of the the most prominent name I remember um, as as far as uh, incoming class for Northern Kentucky, so. As if if you're looking at you know, and you already kind of answered this question of, you know, what what do we expect out of out of this you know this class or and this team next year? It sounds like it's going to be kind of a mixed bag for Darren Horn uh, this this this, this is, next year. You guys know how careful I am with predictions, but I got to tell you, this is this is going to be. The, the year where I say I can't tell you anything until two weeks into the season. Like, I really – I can't because I haven't even mentioned the fact that, like, we're bringing in Marcus Warwick, who is a Mr. Kentucky nominee, shot, uh, shot 51% from the field, 45% from three, 22 points a game. Uh, he's coming from Henry Clay in Lexington, Kentucky. And then we're bringing in Trey Robinson, who's a 6'8 – or 6 uh, – sorry, 6'6", six, six, uh, small forward shooting guard uh-huh. type. Uh, averaged almost 20 points a game in Ohio, uh, six and a half rebounds per game. And then we have David Bohm coming in. He's formerly an international player, but he's uh, 
He's coming in um, from pre- from uh, one. It's one of those. I forget what school it is. I think it's Montverde Academy, but it's like one of the lower level Montverds. It's not the Montverde. Um, he's six seven and has really good length and can shoot really well. And then we also have another freshman walk on who actually might get minutes because we only have, you know, we only have ten scholarship players. Noah Hupman, seven footer, and the coaches absolutely love him. So like, I, I you know I don't know what this team is. Like we have. If you, if you put out a checklist and said, okay, do they have a pure point guard? Absolutely. We have Bryson Langdon. He's probably going to be, in my opinion, he'll be one of the best point guards in the league next year. Do they have a, do they have a guy you can just get the ball to and is going to take over and score? I mean, it remains to be seen to what degree we have that, but I think Trayvon Faulkner can fill that role. Do we have the big guy, you know, the big guy? Yeah, we have Adrian Nelson. I think, he can, I think he's going to take a step up and really, really mm-hmm. kind of step, in, step into that role. And then we have a bunch of athleticism, like in a Darren Horn offense that relies on steals and ball pressure and quick play and quick, quick play. We have Paul Joko, a six, three point guard, um, Adam Alita, who is shoots the ball like a broken record. Um, but, but if he gets hot, like we're in, we're in a good spot. Um, and then we got all these new guys, you know, John Harg. I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about him. Darius Harding, uh, athletic, quick, big, strong. Um, and then, and then these freshmen, you know, are, they all check the boxes. Marcus Warwick is a really good point guard, really good head on his shoulders. Um, basketball IQ, like when he's playing, I haven't actually talked to him about basketball. I've talked to him a little bit, but not about basketball. Um, specifically like, what'd you see there? What'd you see here? But like in the game, I mean, I went to a game of his last year, they're throwing triple teams at him and he's beating it. Um, not off the dribble either. He's just beating it like a chess player and like putting the ball in the right spot and then going to the right spot, hitting the shot. Like it was just incredible. And then uh, Trey Robinson, super athletic. David Bohm can shoot, can steal. Uh, and Noah Hupman is the seven footer that we've been saying, just give Darren Horn a seven footer and see what happens. So like, who knows? You know, it's it's up in the air. I know I just gave you a lot of information just to arrive at. I don't really know, but you got to cut me a break. They, we, we got like seven moves out. <laughs> Kyle, that was so much work to have no answer. What? I know. <laughs> that's true. Like, you know what it but feels that's, like? the, that's the I, thing, though. That's the whole league this year. Exactly. No, it, it really does feel like I, I, I took accounting. Uh, I'm afraid I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I took accounting three different times in college before changing my major. Um, and, you, you know, you have to get through all these problems where you have to, like, do your ledger. Right. And your credits have to match up with your debits. And so I did all the work just to get to the end and the credits don't match up with the debits. Like, that's what I feel like I just did. And um, yeah, it's a it's I don't know. And the other thing is, like, I may not have to know. We might not even have a damn season. So, so yep. Kyle, let's like back up like 86 minutes and just go, Kyle, what do we got? What do we know about the Norses here? And you go, I don't know. <laughs> we call we call that a draw, you know? Yeah, basically. Yeah, we and by the way, we haven't talked. I mean, you, you mentioned that, you know, the, you guys mentioned kind of the unpredictability of this conference. Um, you know, we still didn't even talk about the fact that we may still we may still see Marcus Burke on IUPUI next year because we don't know what the hell's going on with him. Um, but that'll be a pri- that, honestly, that'll be a that'll be a conversation for another time because that one's going to be I, I, I'm very interested in you know where that's going. But we'll, we'll, that, like I said, that's that's a conversation for another day, um, probably in probably next episode, more likely. <laughs> Bob, does, Bob, does IUPUI have a coach? 
Yes, Byron Rim. He is the he 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 got the uh, interim tag knocked off him, and uh, he is the he is the head coach at IUPUI. Um, so no, good for him. I mean, I guess. I mean, it, it just seems like yeah, they're just gonna give it to him for next year. I mean, that's yeah. all I that's all I really know. I don't think I, I don't think we have too many details as to the rest of his, you know, how long he's getting a deal for. Is it just going to be for this year? Or they just do it a year by year thing, which would be weird for a basketball coach. I mean, that I don't know. With some of these with some of these schools in our league, I feel like any one of us on this call could actually be their AD. I'm being serious. Like some of them don't. It doesn't feel like they actually put any thought or effort into their athletics programs at all. And then, like, you have some of them, though, that actually, like, do a really good job. So I'm not trying to discredit all of them, but, like, it just it doesn't feel like any work was done on that at all. It's just like, let's run out the clock, and then, oh, here you go. You can just have this job, dude. That is such a – yeah, the, the IUPUI situation is, is so weird, and just there's just too many question marks for them. But like yeah. I said, we'll, we'll we'll have a conversation about them on another episode because, I mean, those guys could take you know trying to figure out trying to get into the get into that whole dynamic probably did it, is worthy of its own singular episode. Like what the heck? <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, we're we're gonna go ahead and uh, close this out. Uh, Kyle Carrick, thank you guys again for joining us. Um, obviously Carrick, we can find you on Twitter at Carrick underscore Jones. And of course I know you will be, and I know you will also be continuing to contribute Detroit Mercy, uh, stuff to horizon roundtable.com. Yep, absolutely. And of course, Kyle, you're, uh, you're, you know, we we're, we're, we're about Norse report. So it's at Norse report at on Twitter, NorseReport.com. Are you still working on your, uh, redesign? Cause I know you've been working on that on the website. <sighs> Yeah, it's so yeah, it's going to take a long it's going to take a it's going to take a little while, but actually we had I, I personally I'm trying to learn WordPress and it's just a bitch, right? And so I've had I've had a couple of breakthroughs recently and I'm I think we're getting a lot closer than we ever have and to a point where I'm going to feel really good about it. And by the way, we will start creating content especially when the season rolls around um for Horizon Roundtable as well. We we appreciate every opportunity you guys have given us and um want to make sure that we're kind of pulling our weight on this on this thing as well. So yeah. let us know whatever y'all need. Anytime y'all want us on the show or whatever. Of course, because we always do. So yeah, absolutely. For uh, sure. so th- yeah, so that's going to, you know, like I said, that'll wrap it up for us here. Again, you can find every, all, all our episodes on horizonroundtable.com and written content, which um, I, I know we haven't done a lot of over the off season, but I mean, come on, cut us some slack. Nobody else has either. Um <laughs> you can find us wherever podcasts are found, so be sure to sc- subscribe to us. And you can pull us up on your Amazon, your Google devices. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys for listening. <laughs>